five, four, three, two, one. Everybody, welcome into another episode of Fantasy Football 101. I'm your host, Jake Rip, and you are listening to the 101 of Fantasy Football Podcast. And now, please welcome the Timex wearing, spirit flying, Toyota riding, woo! Fantasy football ranking. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm having a hard time keeping these alligators on the ground. D Hall. It is finally, finally time. It is week one of the NFL season. By the time you hear this, you've probably made your picks. Your drafts are probably over. Donnie, are you excited or what? (laughs) Super excited. That's what I'm talking about, man. We are officially in the prime of draft season and uh we are a week away from kickoff man it's real and, it's happening all this talk all off and you season. know what we got a banger for the first game we got the chiefs we got the texans subtract deandre hopkins from the offense we got a lot to learn there and uh you know is deshaun watson still going to be superstar without deandre hopkins super excited what is will fuller what is Brandon Cooks? What is David Johnson? Dude, there's so many storylines that we have to see play out. Like you said, with uh, Hopkins switching teams, Tom Brady, and oh, how about goodness. how about a more recent one? And we'll kick off into some breaking news here. If you like that segue, uh, Leonard Fournette gets released by the Jaguars, and he hangs around as a free agent for what one day, two days before the forty-eight tip. hours at the most. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, before Tampa Bay swipes in and uh, they they make another addition to their team that's now really looking like a Super Bowl contender. I asked you a couple shows ago if you thought that they could contend for a Super Bowl, and you said no. Does this change your mind at all? No, it doesn't. I just don't. That NFC is so tough. Yeah. So we are drafting Leonard Fournette in the middle of the third round. Yeah. Had some risk, had some upside. I don't think he should be drafted in the third round, Jake. I don't. But if you can get him in the fifth round, take take the fact that people are scared on him, in a Tom Brady-led offense with weapons all over the place. To me, if anything out of all this, to me the biggest factor is Tom Brady moves up. Okay? You get a proven guy. You can't just play pass protect against Brady. You get a guy that can tear you up the middle – uh, to me, this is all in for Brady. I think it's good for Leonard Fournette. I think it is an upgrade in offenses, but I don't know if it's an upgrade in fantasy value. What people seem to be concerned about is that he's not going to see that ridiculously high snap share that he saw in Jacksonville last year. And to me, it's almost like kind of a wash because I don't think he's going to see as many touches overall. He's probably not going to have as many receptions. He's probably not going to have as many carries, but he only saw three touchdowns last year. There is not a world to me where he steps into this Buccaneers offense and he does not score, I mean, six touchdowns to the floor, right? 
I agree. That yeah, offense. Six to ten, I think, yeah. Yeah, that and offense. You know what? They're talking to uh, Bruce Arians says Rojo's still our guy, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But you, he benched Rojo all year last year, so that's bullshit, obviously. Well, listen, dude, Arians is totally full of shit. So the quote you have here, I have it written down. He says, in regards to Leonard Fournette, he'll fit right in. And we'll see what role happens and how fast it can happen. But Rojo's our guy, and Shady is ready for his role. And I thought the same thing. Like, that's total horseshit. And I want to give a quick shout-out to Chris McConnell on Twitter. That's Wizard of Roto, at Wizard of Roto, for tweeting this quote from Bruce Arians after the Cardinals signed Chris Johnson, where he said, Andre Ellington is still the focal point. Yeah, exactly. That season, Ellington got 45 carries in 10 games. CJ got 196 carries in 11 games. Arians is just diarrhea of the mouth just giving it all to the reporters he was a pittsburgh steeler coach for a long time <laughs> we know he's always about pumping up people's sunshine and rainbows right up their ass so that quote doesn't surprise the me fact they didn't go out and pick up leonard fournette is up as backup depth for the roster it's so not let me ask you this jake what's the ceiling for leonard fournette oh man i mean if you want to talk about true ceiling he he can finish as a top five running back i don't project him that way but it's totally in the realm of possibility. If Tampa Bay ends up being this offense that everyone's picturing and they're making constant trips to the red zone and they realize their best running back is by far Leonard Fournette, this Ronald Jones thing to me is a joke. The fact that people are dropping Leonard Fournette in their rankings because he's going to split carries with Ronald Jones, I'd be more concerned about him splitting carries with Raquel Armstead in Jacksonville. Ronald Jones is nothing. Like you said, he's been in the doghouse before. Uh, I don't think he's one of Arian's guys, really. Peyton Barber was stealing snaps from Ronald Jones last yeah. year consistently. They got so what makes you think Leonard Fournette can't steal snaps from Ronald Jones? Not just steal snaps. I mean, he's going to. I think he's going to be the workhorse oh, running back. Into yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, they'll sprinkle Rojo in. As far as fantasy goes, the way I see it. And I, th I think right now Fournette and Rojo are kind of being drafted in the same areas if it's going to be like a 50-50 split. And it might be for week one. But I am not touching Rojo anywhere. As far as I'm considered, he's a handcuff. Not a good one either. I mean, I'd rather have Latavius Murray if yeah. Kamara goes down. Pollard I'd rather have down. a Latavius Murray, a Pollard, a J.K. Dobbins, sure. a DeAndre Swift, who's pretty much a starter, but any of those type of backs Because for all, sure. all of those guys have like a huge ceiling, huge upside. But if Fournette goes down and Rojo goes in, I, I don't care. That does nothing for me. But there's a world where Fournette is the workhorse in this crazy powerhouse offense and scores a lot of touchdowns, gets a lot of rushing yards, and uh, Ronald Jones just takes a back seat in the backfield. Remains to be seen. Another storyline to add to the season. Oh, man. Oh, man. Cannot wait. All these rookie wide receivers coming in. I mean, the, the, this whole draft class is sick. I can't wait to see what Joe Burrow does. Absolutely, yeah, just... man. All right, we're going to go into our stardom and sit them for this week. We're going to give you uh, one fringe player for every skill position that we think you should start or we think you should sit for week one. You ready to roll, Donnie? Let's do it. Under the stardom, and this is super ironic because I have been tearing into this guy all offseason, both D. Hall and I, telling you do not draft Josh Allen. Do not do it. It's a trap. His rushing stats are going to regress tremendously, especially with Zach Moss in the offense, and I still stand by everything that I said. However, if you did draft Josh Allen, 
I would play him this week. Uh, I think he has potential to be a top five quarterback this week, especially if he does tack on a rushing touchdown. But he's playing against the New York Jets, a New York Jets defense that already wasn't great, but now is without Jamal Adams. I mean, Josh Allen as a starter is a no-brainer for you, right, in a one-quarterback league? Absolutely, Jake, an absolute no-brainer. He goes. He's playing the Jets, and the Jets' defense is absolutely terrible on the back end. I think Buffalo is going to give him the beatdown in this game. I think it's going to be. Too, but I think Buffalo's way better team. The back end of that defense is absolutely terrible. Whether it's John Brown or Stephon Diggs running them wild, I haven't done my week one rankings, but I can't see him being outside the top eight this week. Yeah, uh, in my week one rankings, the floor is just there. They're just going to dominate, and the only thing I worry about is they get up very quickly with a couple of rushing touchdowns, and he doesn't throw the ball in the end zone as much. Um, but, sure. you know, I think that it's a clear starter. It's really just picking from low-hanging fruit at this point. Yeah, you mentioned Stephon Diggs, John Brown. I mean, if you're really scratching for a receiver for some point, if you just went that direction in your draft and you, you're kind of struggling for, like, a wide receiver three, I like John Brown in this game. Um, I like Stephon Diggs in this game. You're obviously starting him. The Bills start off the season with the Jets in week one, the Dolphins in week two, Rams in week three, Raiders in week four. It's really a nice schedule start overall for Josh Allen. Um, trade his ass. <laughs> it's like you read my mind. I was going to say, and then right after week four, I would strongly consider trading him. Um, I'm sure we'll discuss that leading up to week four, but I can just see Josh Allen going on a total tear and all the Josh Allen truthers throwing out the told you so's back and forth, but uh, I'm still not buying it. I don't think he's a good quarterback. I think he's extremely dependent on those rushing touchdowns, and I don't think they're going to be there this year. But I agree. in weeks one through four, he's going to be dynamite. Trade his ass after that. I want to get your take on my stardom running back. He is... Rookie of the year, 101 dynasty pick. Your starting running back for the Indianapolis Colts, Mr. Jonathan Taylor. Donnie, we've gone back and forth between the 101 and 102 thing with CEH and Jonathan Taylor. But if you had Jonathan Taylor in your lineup, would you be starting him this week? I think draft capital makes me start him. But do I want to start him? That I, is a different question. I should so, add that they do play Jacksonville in week one. That helps. It Absolutely. Helps, right? The reports out of camp has stated that Marlon Mack. Now, granted. Stop it. Just okay, stop it. Listen. Listen. Granted, we don't have a preseason to go off of. Could it be a Giovanni Bernard, Joe Mixon last year? No. Giovanni Bernard's our starter. Joe Mixon's going to get all the carries after that. Uh, Jonathan Taylor. I don't know, man. I mean, everything out of out of camp is Marlon Mack looks absolutely incredible. Let's not forget Marlon Mack is playing for a contract this year. Absolutely he, incredible. I can't believe you just said that about Marlon Mack. Could there be a world where I see Marlon Mack gets 20 carries and Jonathan Taylor gets 10? Yes. Maybe. Maybe in week one. I'm just saying, I'm I'm putting it in faith. And listen, if you if you hit on him being a week one starter or superstar. Yeah, you might as well. That is a huge, huge call to hit. And if you hit that, you better be circling the bases 10 times. Jacksonville. Absolutely. Now, could there be a situation where they're up a ton of points on Jacksonville and they're running out the clock and they're just feeding Jonathan Taylor carry after carry after carry? 
Absolutely, I can see that. The thing is about Jonathan Taylor, I might not be so interested in starting him if he was playing like any other defense. If he had an average defense, uh, Green Bay, if he was playing Chicago, I might be a little squeamish about throwing him in here week one. But in in the yep. in the AFC South division, Jonathan Taylor is going to get two shots at the Jacksonville Jaguars. A Jacksonville Jaguars defense that gave up the second most fantasy points to running backs in 2019. He's going to only have two shots at them. And one of them just so happens to fall on week one. I'm not going to miss out on it because they got cold feet that Marlon average ass Mac is going to steal carries from him. Um, I, I don't think the coaching staff in Indianapolis is stupid. I think they picked him where they picked him for a reason. They saw what he can do in training camp. They've been watching him at Wisconsin. This guy is, uh, he's just on a different level. You can't compare him to Marlon Mack. They know it. A lot of people out there know it. And in week one, you're going to see it. I love the call, man. I love the bold. I love the I love boldness. the bold. But it's, <laughs> Clyde Edwards is going to freaking outperform him, outperform him week one, and it's not close. You're it just- really isn't close. And there's a reason why Clyde Edwards Hellier is going in the first round and Jonathan Taylor is going in the third round. So you could just put that to bed, the 101 BS that you've been talking about <laughs> all year. Because Clyde Edwards Hellier has been the 101 all year ever since Damian Williams took a seat. I want to give a quick shout out to Alexa Delarocco from DynastyNerds.com. Uh, she messaged me the other day and wanted to know why you don't pronounce Clyde Edwards Hilaire right on this show. Because it's my thing. I, I, he's a hell yeah because he's a hellcat in my mind and he runs people over. That's not the direction I thought you were going to go. I thought you were going to say something about like hell yeah or something. He's a hellcat. No, he's a hellcat. The Dodge Hellcat. Dodge Challenger Hellcat is a freaking machine. And Do- Clyde Edwards, hell yeah. <laughs> or like, you know, hell yeah. That's my man. Let's move on to the wide receiver stardom. And again, I wanted to go to kind of a fringe guy because everyone knows you start your normal wide receiver twos to wide receiver threes. But I feel like a lot of, or this guy's going to be off of a lot of people's radar. And that's Anthony Miller for the Chicago Bears. Uh, it seemed like he picked up a little bit of hype in the offseason for a short period of time, but for the most part, no one's really talking about Anthony Miller. Without Taylor Gabriel in the Chicago Bears lineup, Anthony Miller is going to have a clear path to targets, and he's going to be the unquestioned number two in that offense. Are you concerned about who's the quarterback? Are you concerned about anyone else stealing targets? I can't see any reason why you wouldn't start Anthony Miller versus Detroit. If you were in need of a wide receiver anyways. And that's the thing, Jake. Detroit is terrible, terrible on defense. So if I had to pick a receiver that has the chance to go off, you know, maybe this is more DFS style because I don't think there's going to be too many people that is going to plug in Anthony Miller unless it's in a flow and flex spot, right? No, what's going to happen is it's going to take a couple weeks, but I'm telling you, this guy's going to catch fire. People are going to have to... I don't disagree with you. I like Anthony Miller's talent. I definitely like his talent. For me, this is more of a DFS dart throw that you bring up. I don't think a lot of people are going to be starting him this week in particular. I think it's a great matchup. I think the Detroit Lions are terrible on defense, but... When And especially the first, second week of the season, there's no buys. There's really no injuries to speak of. Anthony Miller is just so far down there, people aren't really going to be plugging them into their lineups. 
But if I can offer up another NFC player as a week one starter for my start of the week. Oh, the D Hall start of the week. We need a sound drop. <laughs> oh, nice. I'll save that. We'll, we'll start throwing it in there. But go ahead. My start of the week, and he is Mr. Week One from the Philadelphia Eagles, Mr. Deshaun Jackson. Yes, yes, Deshaun Jackson. I like that and, call a lot. And who is Deshaun Jackson playing this week? None other than the Washington football team. Give me healthy Deshaun Jackson before he blows his hamstrings out. Give me everything for him week one. He's a beautiful play in DFS. More importantly, give me Deshaun Jackson in an offense without Jalen Rager involved. Jalen Rager, uh, uh, Alshon Jeffrey on the pop. You know, it's really going to be Deshaun Jackson and Zach Ertz and and Dallas Carter, and that's it. And honestly, Miles Sanders is banged up too. So I'm all in on Deshaun Jackson this week. 100% 100% I'm playing him everywhere in DFS, and he is a great person. Say you take a DeAndre Swift, a J.K. Dobbins, one of these high upside running backs who you want to be your RB2 or flex spot, he's the perfect person to plug into your flex, put those guys on the bench because you don't know what you have in them yet, and you know that he's going to go off week one. We went a little off the rails here. I want to go back to Anthony Miller. I'm just curious, and and if you're listening to this right now, chances are you've already drafted, but where would you take Anthony Miller? Because his ADP is currently really, really, really low. Uh, He's hardly being drafted. The beginning of the 13th round is the wide receiver 55. 55. (laughs) I just feel like he's completely undervalued. Again, as the wide receiver two in this offense. Another thing, and are we assuming Nick Foles starts? Because I am. I'm not. Oh, okay. Why is I'm that? on the Mitch Trubisky, Scott. I, I think that they need to see him for a couple more games before they make the Haven't final. Haven't we seen enough of this? I have seen enough. You have seen enough. Everyone in the world has seen enough, but the Bears, who are forcing themselves, well, we passed on Deshaun Watson. Oh. Well, we passed on Patrick Mahomes. Oh. We gotta give this guy a couple more chances <laughs> like before Mitch. we completely cross him off the list and uh, say, "Well, we screwed up." Yeah. Not only did they, not only did they draft him, they moved up and picked this guy when you could have got Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes. That oh, is, that's a goodness. tough, tough, drive tough. A, drive a stake through Chicago fans' hearts. <laughs> tough pill to swallow. Oh man, yeah. Couldn't imagine uh, being a Bears fan. I'm sorry if you are and listening to this, but I'm a Falcons <laughs> fan, so my wounds are deep as well. I'm a Steelers fan. We have no wounds because we're made of steel. <laughs> uh-huh. What I was going to, I, I do think Nick Foles is going to be the starter for the Bears. I think he's the better quarterback. And when I say he's the better quarterback, I mean he's just not a disaster. You mentioned yeah. him on another episode as he, a game manager, and that's exactly what he is. Now, do you remember last season when he was going to be the starter for the Jaguars, the D.D. Westbrook hype that was coming into the season? He was going to soak up over 100 targets. Actually, I think he might have. He might have just hit 100 targets last year uh, without Nick Foles. But D.D. Westbrook was like a super hyped sleeper. D.J. Chark was everything D.D. Westbrook should have been. (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. I think this year that guy, I think it's going to reign true, the, the slot receiver for uh for Nick Foles. I think it's going to be Anthony Miller this year. I think he's going to see a 
buttload of targets, and people are sleeping on him because he didn't play much last year. Uh, he had just over three games, or just three games over a 57% snap share through week 10, but from weeks 11 through 16, he only saw one game below an 86% snap share. During those weeks, he averaged 11 targets per game. That's the volume I'm talking about. And yeah. 11 targets per game, and this guy's being taken as the wide receiver 55? 55? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't argue with that, man. There's no doubt. And like I said, he's another one to me. He's more of a DFS start throw, in and my opinion. He's I, just a. I feel like the quarterback doesn't even matter because necessarily they're going to have to throw it to Anthony Miller because the next most targeted player on that offense is probably going to be Tariq Cohen. You're not wrong. You are not wrong. And I rarely am, my friend. I rarely am. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> I'm going to use that as a sound drop, too, one of these days. All right, let's move on to the tight end position, our stardom player. You and I have talked up this guy a little bit this offseason. That's Hayden Hurst, tight end for the Atlanta Falcons, going yep. up against the Seattle Seahawks. First of all, I should point out, I, I do think Hayden Hurst is going to be like an every week starter in fantasy football. I do too. I just don't, I, do I don't know if he's going to be that out of the gate. He's currently being drafted as the tight end 13. So technically being taken outside of the wide receiver one range. So like a lot of people who are drafting Hayden Hurst, you're drafting Hayden Hurst and you're drafting Blake Jarwin. You're drafting Hayden Hurst and you're drafting Mike Gesicki. Uh, yep. you're going with that two tight end play the matchups type of thing. And if that's what you're doing, I love Hayden Hurst against Seattle who gave up the third most points to the tight end position in 2019. That should be a super high scoring game. Uh, two really solid offenses. The game is in Atlanta. I think, uh, Hayden Hart, Hayden Hurst is going to get things started with a bang on Sunday. What do you think? I agree, man. And you look at, Seattle's defense, we don't know how Jamal Adams is going to affect that. Jamal Adams could really fix that problem up the middle with the tight end. But I do think it's a smash spot for Hayden Hurst. I think it's a situation where you see him light it up and all the Hayden Hurst troopers come out with freaking uh, Atlanta Falcons towels. I don't know if you have a terrible towel because the Steelers, <laughs> you know, it's a real towel. I think it's mostly just a Steelers thing. A rally towel or whatever the – you know, stupid stuff you do down there in the Atlanta. But so I think that the Hayden Hurst truthers are going to come out. And like we've been saying all draft season long, when it comes to Hayden Hurst, they gave him a second round pick for this guy. It's yeah. not like they just kind of chucked him and picked him off waivers for nothing. You know, people talk about, oh, well, he couldn't beat out Mark Andrews. Newsflash, Mark Andrews is really freaking good at football. Yeah, okay? he's a stud. We're in a time right now where legitimately we have, Two Hall of Fame tight ends on the field, and George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. But Mark Andrews isn't far off from those guys. Ooh. The dude was a the dude was a top three receiver with playing fifty percent of the snaps last yeah, year. Yeah, that's big. Okay, don't give me this crap that he couldn't beat out Andrews. Not many not many tight ends in the league can do that. So he goes to an offense where you have two top fifteen at minimum receivers on the outside. You got a guy in Gurley that you are super high on personally. I'm not so much high on. Why can't he smash in this spot? Why can't he? And against a team that is was terrible against the uh, tight end last year, I think it's a smash spot to me, Jake, if I have another good tight end that I believe in. So you get Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, or Mark Andrews early. This is how I think of things. You take Hayden Hurst at the end of your draft, 
have him smash week one, then trade his ass. Take him at his peak value. Yeah. Trade him for flip him for ten times the profit what you bought him for, and then you got a difference maker in your on your team that you didn't have before. Yeah, I think that's important. If you're looking at your draft board and Hayden Hurst is out there, and you really don't like what there is at receiver, and you don't like what's there at running back, uh, like like you said, Donnie, take Hayden Hurst, even if you have a Kelsey or a don't Kittle. force a pick. Don't force a pick if you don't like it. If you think Hayden Hurst is the best talent on the board and could offer you the best return in the trade market, even though you have a Kelsey or Kittle. Why not do it? No one ever talks about that drafting like for trade value. And I don't know if if all leagues out there operate like ours where they're like super hyperactive and and uh, trading back and forth. And there's always discussions going on. But if you just take the best guy on the board, you can do something with him, especially if you know he's going to smash early in the season. Yep. A la Hayden Hurst. Yep. I've taken players looking at their early season schedule, knowing that they're going to get off to a hot start that I can flip them week three, four, five. After, A, you you will probably have a good record, four and two, three and one, whatever the case may be, and then you can flip them for a difference maker after this after the schedule gets hard. Uh, that's more a, a two QB thing, and, and you look at the QB's early season matchups, but that's something you have to consider when you're draft. You don't, win, you don't ever win your league at the draft. you got to put yourself in position to win the league at the draft. Yeah. And, and your moves after that uh, kind of dictate that. There's going to be someone in your draft who thinks that they're going to wait on tight end and wait on tight end and wait on tight end. And then they're going to draft... Um, Eric Ebron. <laughs> we usually use Eric Ebron in, in good context on this show. But yeah, he drafts <laughs> Eric Ebron and then he's going to bust. And if that happens... Chris Herndon. Chris Herndon and he busts. Yeah. You know, any of these late round tight end guys, everyone like gets stars in their eyes when they picture him because it's like, oh, he's going to be Mark Andrews of, right. of 2020. He's going to be Darren Waller. But uh, it, it's a total gamble. There's a ton of tight ends out there and not all of them are going to plunge themselves into top 10, top 12 uh, tight end status. But Hayden Hurst to me in a Falcons offense that's going to throw the ball a ton is going to be huge for Hayden Hurst. That made Austin Hooper the tight end one in fantasy football through 10 weeks last season. It's yeah. going to be pretty much plug and play. They're going to put Hayden Hurst in there. He's not a bad tight end. Austin Hooper, he's a talented guy, but I don't put him in that class with Kelsey and Kittle and Ertz. Those no. guys are superstars. Let's look at it like this. Hayden Hurst has better draft capital than Austin Hooper, Jake. That's true. Uh, and, and you know, I haven't heard one analyst, including us on this show, hype up Austin Hooper. Why can't Hayden Hurst do at least what Austin Hooper does? Why can't he? So on the other side of that strategy we're talking about where you take a guy for uh, early season upside and he smashes and you trade him, there's the other side of that where someone else drafts a guy who underperforms and yep. then you capitalize on their lack of production, I guess. Uh, so using that, I'm going to move on to our sit section and get started with the quarterback position. I am not starting Daniel Jones anywhere. Uh, I don't mind owning, owning Danny Dimes this season, but his schedule starts off a, a bit rough, would be an understatement. Uh, week one, Monday night football against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Week two against the Bears, and then week three against the San Francisco 49ers. 
I think Daniel Jones is going to pretty much be hot garbage through the first three weeks of the season. And if you're in a spot where you think you need a quarterback, that'd be a, a perfect guy to go after in the trade market because he's not going to look good through the first three weeks. Absolutely. And it's like anything else. You're looking at distressed values and you're looking at the market. Did this guy do this, this or that and increase his value or did he decrease his value this week? Daniel Jones is a perfect person and he's the one that, you know, I have talked a lot of shit on Daniel Jones on this podcast, but I'm slowly raising on him because I'm always the type of person, give me the value. If I can get Daniel Jones for 10 cents on the dollar, I'll take him. I'll take him and put him as my third quarterback. And, you know, if he pops off, I'll trade my second quarterback for a difference maker. Well, that's the thing. And, he's he's going as like a, a, you know, middle as far as the quarterbacks go. Um, he's going as the 15th quarterback off the board. So just outside of that quarterback one range. And, and I think that's fine. Again, I'm okay with that, but... You have to draft him, and especially if, if we're talking about a one-quarterback league and you're counting on Daniel Jones, if you went with the zero QB strategy and you scooped up Daniel Jones, I got news for you. You're probably going to struggle through the first few weeks with Daniel Jones. And every week matters, but I really prefer to get off to a good record through the first five weeks or so. I want to be 4-1. and one. I want to be 3-2 and two at the worst. And Danny Dimes is not going to do any favors. And then you could start playing the game in your head, Jake. You could start taking a little bit of risk if you're 4-1, 4-2, Yeah, sure, exactly. You could say, just for an example, last year I was 4-1. and one. I traded for Melvin Gordon, waiting on him to come back because – I said, hey, I can afford a loss or two, and I'd still be okay, and the difference maker when Melvin Gordon comes back is going to be worth the risk. You could set yourself up. So to me, and Mike Wright from Fantasy Footballers talk about this all the time, and this is incredible advice. Look at the fantasy football season in chunks. Take it chunk by chunk, you know, first four weeks, second four weeks, third four weeks, playoffs. Look at it by chunks, and that'll help you navigate the fantasy season because if you – finish each chunk a little bit ahead, by the end of the season, you're going to be there. And I think that's a great, great, great advice. The Pittsburgh Steelers having one of the best defenses in the league. Is there anyone on the Giants roster that you're willing to start week one outside of Saquon Barkley? I mean, in the most desperate of desperate situations, if your wide receivers are super depleted and you have a Golden Tate or Darius Slayton or uh, Sterling Shepard or even Evan Ingram. Are you are you willing to play Evan Ingram against the Steelers? Uh, if I had to pick one person against the Steelers that I would want to play, it would be Golden Tate. If I had to pick a weak part of the Steelers defense, which there isn't many, it's the middle linebackers. Covering those little slot receivers or even Evan Ingram. It's one of those two. It's very close. you got to pick someone in the middle of the field. Do not pick someone that can go over the top like a Slayton because Minka Fitzpatrick is out there playing center field, and he will shut that down. As well as the outside corners, uh, that being Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson, was very good last year. One of the best duos in the NFL. Joe Hayden has got a year older, and Steven Nelson is on his second year of the free agent deal. But those dudes were awesome last year. So if I had to pick someone, I want to pick someone that's going to kind of live over the middle of the field for the Steelers defense, against the Steelers defense, that is. So if you have to and your receiver corpse is super weak, then we're willing to start Golden Tate. 
Correct. And, and you know what, Jake? I don't think many people are going to be in that situation because you're drafting Golden Tate as your fourth or fifth yeah. wide receiver. If you can avoid it, I would definitely avoid it. The Steelers' defense yeah, is sure. lights out. There's a reason why they went 8-8 eight and eight with an XFL quarterback last year. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Um, yeah. I, Evan Ingram, I think, is the only one who maybe gets a hall pass here because I do consider him to be like a top-five tight end in the league, especially if he has a guaranteed 16 games. But one thing we know for sure is he's starting week one against the Steelers. So he's going to be there. He's going to, again, start. I don't know if he's going to finish the game, but he's going to start. <laughs> he's going to start the game, and uh, I, I'd roll Evan Ingram out there. Like you said, the, if the middle of the field is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense weakness, then uh, hopefully Evan Ingram can exploit that. Still, on that note, sitting Daniel Jones. Absolutely. Let's move on to the running back position. This sit him, and it might be controversial, but as the days move on, perhaps not so much. Le'Veon Bell for the New York Jets. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. From first-round pick in fantasy football to sit him in week one on fantasy football 101. I was never particularly high on Le'Veon Bell this offseason, even though his ADP was starting to slip into that range where I'm, I'd maybe be comfortable with a dart throw. You know, when Frank Gore signed with the Jets, I didn't think it was going to be much of an issue for any part of Le'Veon's workload. But then reports come out. It starts off with Adam Gase loves Frank Gore. And that's pretty par for the course, right? With Adam Gase being who he is. Like, you'd expect... Idiot. Yeah, you'd expect nothing less. And then... Reports come out saying Frank Gore is the best running back in training camp. Now I'm concerned. And then the reports aren't finished. It comes out that the Jets have been using a 60-40 split in training camp between these two running backs. I don't get it. I don't think Le'Veon's washed yet. What it comes down to is I really, really, really don't trust Adam Gase. I hardly trust Le'Veon. Really, I mean, I don't know what he has left in the tank. Surely he's better than Frank Gore. But it sounds like they're going to use Frank Gore in this offense, and he's going to be a big part of the offense. Somehow, someway, at age 50, where are you even comfortable taking Le'Veon? Because, I mean, it, that that it's got to break somewhere. You know what I'm saying? I get what you're saying, Jake, but there's going to be someone that holds on to, oh, Le'Veon Bell is in the yeah. fourth round. Name value. Let me snag him. Yeah, the name value. I just don't see it, man. I'm not in on Le'Veon Bell. I haven't. I wasn't last year when he was a first round pick. I'm not this year when he's a fourth round pick. You put Le'Veon Bell in a different system. I'm all in. Like Pittsburgh, but Adam Gates. Like, stop it. Let's just stop say, it. hypothetically, Pittsburgh. Why you gotta twist that knife, dude? So I'm just saying. You know, he's he has to regret that. Okay, listen. Say he's still in Pittsburgh. Completely off the rails, hypothetical, and we don't even have to put this in the show. If he's still in Pittsburgh, is he a first-round running back? Probably. I mean, again, it's all hypothetical. I, I think it's 100% probable. The offense has changed, and there's no Antonio Brown, and obviously that impacted Juju Smith-Schuster. But, yeah, I mean, who knows? Yeah, probably, probably. He definitely wouldn't be on the sit list. I know, and it's crazy, man. I, so you want to talk about someone who kills running backs? Frank Gore. Frank Gore has been killing upside running backs for years. He is the ultimate. He's killed Devin Singletary. He's killed running backs for years. He's the ultimate vulture. Ultimate. Absolute ultimate. I'm staying away from Lev Bell at all costs this year. Sure, Jake. Is there a breaking point? Yes. If I get Lev Bell as my running back three in the sixth round, fine. 
fine. Yeah, I mean, but I'm still, not, I just, there's so much talent in the sixth round, and that's a shame that I would even think about passing on presumably a starting running back in the NFL in the sixth round because there's so few at that point. But I'm just so worried about what they're going to do with Frank Gore. I'm so afraid it's going to be a 50-50 split. The one good thing, though, if you did draft Le'Veon, because a lot of drafts have already happened, he still carries, I think, tremendous receiving upside. I don't think they're going to throw to Frank Gore at all. All the passes out of the backfield are going to, uh, they're all going to go to Le'Veon Bell. And he's going to have, I think, a, a decent floor on account of that. All that being said, he's in here as a sit -em. But I recognize that a lot of people are going to have them on their teams. And a lot of people are going to have them on their teams probably as a running back, too. Uh, that being said, I mean, if you've got to flex them, flex them. I mean, it is what it is. I don't know who your next guy, who your next man up is. But um, he'll catch some passes. I just don't know how effective he can be in the run game. He's got to score some touchdowns. Absolutely. Absolutely. Three touchdowns, four touchdowns last year total. That's inexcusable. For I mean, it was, it was his backfield last year, completely. It just was so obvious that he was going to be terrible last year. He goes with a massive downgrade in the offensive line, a coach that legitimately still does not want him. The general manager said, well, we're taking him. The coach tried to trade his ass. Like even immediately, immediately after they signed him, he was he came out and said that he didn't want he didn't I don't know what he said exactly. He wasn't in favor of the the path the that long, the Jets the took contract yeah it. with the he contract didn't like the long term contract of Le'Veon Bell it's ridiculous I can't even if that even if that's your thought and you're the head coach of the Jets you don't say it to the media no. No. as if Lev isn't gonna hear that I can't I, I don't know like I said he's got to regret that trade by now obviously his career has been on a total downward tailspin and yeah man he's got to fall to the, like you said, the sixth, seventh round before I'm even considering. And he's not going to go there, Jake. Someone's going to see him in the fifth and say, oh, my God, Le'Veon Bell's yeah. in the fifth and, or fourth, and he's going to snagged up. So for guys like me, guys like you, guys like in the industry, I'm not going to have many shares of Le'Veon Bell this year. Moving on to the wide receiver position for our sit -em category, and I did not pick just one wide receiver for this segment. I chose every single rookie wide receiver in the NFL. Do not play them week one. Draft them on your team by all means, but do not start them. If you have a rookie wide receiver, he's got to be your wide receiver four. He just has to, or else you went robust RB strategy in the craziest way and took five running backs and a quarterback and a tight end, and now you're taking your first receiver. Don't do it. Uh, from C.D. Lamb at the Los Angeles Rams to Justin Jefferson versus Green Bay, Jerry Judy versus Tennessee, even Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards have a beautiful matchup at Carolina. It's a mouthwatering matchup. And to be honest with you, one of them might be likely to sort of maybe kind of hit in that game. Uh, but I don't know who it is. The other one might see one target for seven yards. It's a huge gamble. Again, I, I like to get out to a winning record when I start off my season. Who doesn't? And I, I don't like taking the risk on a rookie wide receiver, especially when you don't have to. A lot, a lot of these guys are going to carry super high name value. Like by now, everyone knows CeeDee Lamb. And there's going to be a ton of people who start CeeDee Lamb. But I don't know what kind of snap share he's going to see in Dallas on day one. 
I expect them to be involved, sure, but I don't know what Gallup's going to get. I don't know what Cooper's going to get. I don't know what the game script is going to dictate. And then you go down to Justin Jefferson, where it is he's going to be the wide receiver three in that offense, and the Ola B.C. Johnson's the wide receiver two. Jerry Judy, I haven't even heard his name since he's been drafted. I don't know what he's been doing in Denver. He needs to be on your bench. Just not in on any of these rookie wide receivers. I don't know what else has to be said. It's just uh, too much risk for me. What do you think? Jake, you painted a perfect picture. You gave really good stats. I am the Picasso of fantasy football. Sure. Sure. <laughs> no, you're more like the Bob Ross. <laughs> you take that. I'll take it. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, Jake, out of all these rookie wide receivers, will one pop off? Yeah, probably. Probably. How are we going to know which one of those that it's going to be? No one thought it was going to be Terry McLaurin last year. No one did. Even Marquise Brown. People had, you know, there were all these questions about how good Lamar Jackson is as a passer. Marquise Brown comes out and torches the Dolphins in week one. One of these guys is going to do something, and they're going to create some chatter and probably either be the first pick, the first waiver pick uh, going into week two, or uh, someone's going to want way too much for them in the trade market. I'm just so out on all of these guys. The one rookie wide receiver I would have considered starting in week one was Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager, yeah, he's going to be out for four weeks. Uh, so uh, that puts a nail in that coffin. And like I was saying, it's it's a wide receiver three position that we're talking about. There's going to be guys like the aforementioned Anthony Miller. Plug him in instead of any one of these rookie wide receivers. Preston Williams was a stud last year before he tore his ACL. Plug him in before any of these rookie wide receivers. Christian Kirk. No one's talking about Christian Kirk. He's going to eat up targets in the slot. The defense is going to be taken away by DeAndre Hopkins. Start Christian Kirk instead of all these rookie wide receivers. There's other routes to go. The names might not look as sexy. They don't have so much hype coming into week one. Like we said, one of these guys might pop off, probably will pop off, but five of these guys are probably going to bust. Absolutely. Moving on to the tight end position for our do not start list, our sit em list. Austin Hooper, we talked about him a little bit ago. And similarly to Hayden Hurst, Austin Hooper's being selected as like a low end tight end one. Uh, Hurst was being selected as the tight end 13. And Hooper is going as the tight end 11. The Browns made him the highest paid tight end in the league. Surely they're going to use him in the offense. But unlike Hayden Hurst, Austin Hooper has a very poor tight end matchup as the Cleveland Browns go to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Uh, last season, Baltimore gave up the least amount of fantasy points to the tight end position last year, just under five points a game. Uh, tight ends struggle against that team, and I think Austin Hooper will be much the same. He's going to have to compete for targets in this offense. Um, a much lower pass volume offense than he was accustomed to in Atlanta, where he's going to compete for targets with Odell Beckham, with Jarvis Landry, with Kareem Hunt. Um, it's very possible that Kareem Hunt finishes this season with more targets than Austin Hooper. At the end of the day, I think he's a fine tight end to own as far as the whole season goes, the length of the season. He's not going to put up those crazy Atlanta numbers that propelled him to a tight end 10 finish weeks one through 10, but... I think he's going to have value to a degree in this offense. I'm just not into Austin Hooper going up against Baltimore in week one. What do you think? No, thank you, Jake. I'm 100% in agreement with you there. I, I'm just not a big guy on Austin Hooper as it is. Uh, we talked about it earlier. Not a big believer on Baker Mayfield 
at all. But all that being said, I just don't think that Austin Hooper against the Baltimore Ravens week one, when you have, like you said, Odell Beckham, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry, I just think there's too much to go around. I think he'll get four or five targets, maybe four catches, 40 yards. I think Austin Hooper this season is going to have a very Jared Cook type season from last year where he's going to have a couple big games where the, the final stat line reads 30 yards, two touchdowns. And yeah. as a fantasy owner, you're putting your fists in the air. You're like, hell yeah, I love it. That's great. But any given week, you get two target or, you know, 30 yards, no touchdowns. Yeah, 30 yards, no touchdowns, uh, three receptions. And it, yeah, it's just not worth it. I don't think the volume is going to be there to support him. I really don't. Yeah, I don't think so either. And when you can wait a round or two and draft Hayden Hurst, no brainer. No brainer. All right, that covers all of our starts or sits, and we're going to cap this thing off by playing a little this or that. The way we're going to do it is we're going to go through every game that's being played in week one, and I'm going to give you two players of the same position but on opposite teams, and I want you to tell me who's going to score more fantasy points this week. We're going to get started with Thursday night. It is the Texans and the Chiefs. I want to ask you, David Johnson or CEH, who's scoring more fantasy points this week? CEH, and it's not close. Oh my gosh, you're such a. That is such a biased take. It's not close. There's. Not close. Outscores him by six points. All right, so uh, real quick, I want your prediction here. 16 NFL games played on week one. How many of these do you think you're going to guess correctly? Most ten. fantasy points. You're going to guess 10 correctly? All right, let's see what you got. You've got CEH over David Johnson. Next game, Falcons and Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Seattle Seahawks visit the Atlanta Falcons. Will it be Matt Ryan or Russell Wilson with more fantasy points? Russ Wilson. Oh. I would take Matt Ryan pretty much in every other matchup, but that defense on Seattle I think is going to shut Matt Ryan down to the addition of Jamal Adams. I just think that Russ Wilson is going to cook against that terrible – is Russell Wilson cooking this year? Sir. They're going to let I him think, cook. I, I would hope so. I think Russ Wilson at least is going to cook week one against a terrible Atlanta Falcons defense. All right. Let's go to the Jets and the Bills. Le'Veon Bell or Devin Singletary? This one is tough for me, Jake. It's really tough. It depends on if we're talking half PPR. If, let's always cool. assume half PPR on this show. I'll take Lev Bell just for the receiving factor. Okay. I think that they're going to be down. I think they're going to use Lev Bell out of the backfield a lot, and I think that Zach Moss is going to vulture a touchdown. Chicago Bears and Detroit Lions. Who scores more fantasy points, Allen Robinson or Kenny Galladay? Boy, is this one tough. Yeah, I am going to have to go with Kenny Galladay. You sure? You looked unsure. I'm unsure. That's why I said this one's tough. (laughs) I'm going to go with Kenny Galladay. For one reason and one reason only. Matt Stafford v. Trubinsky or Nick Foles. I think that Kenny Galladay is the better player. I'm more of a Kenny Galladay guy than I am Allen Robinson. Uh, Green Bay Packers and Minnesota Vikings. Aaron Jones or Dalvin Cook? Dalvin Cook. All right, that one was kind of a layup. I think so, too. Obviously, there's a world where Aaron Jones scores three touchdowns in this game, but I think I agree with you. I would go with Dalvin Cook as well. Moving on to the next game, it is the Miami Dolphins and New England Patriots, and I think this is an interesting one. Ryan Fitzpatrick 
or Cam Newton? Cam Newton, it's not close. Oh, you what do you mean it's not close? Not close. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's a guns he went to Harvard. Yeah, oh, he did go to Harvard. Look at the defenses they're playing. Miami's defense is one of the worst in the leagues, and the Patriots is one of the best in the league. Patriots have some guys that opted out. Sure, I agree. Give me Cam Newton with a chip on his shoulder, putting um fat stacks of fantasy points week one. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little cute with the next one here. It is the Eagles and the Washington Football Team. Boston Scott or Antonio Gibson? Boston Scott. All right. Any reasoning behind that one? I think Boston Scott is the pseudo new Darren Sproles. Oh, I like that take. I like that take a lot. Miles Sanders is the better running back, but I think that Darren Sproles that uh, that. Boston Scott is just like Darren Sproles. He's going to get a ton of receiving work out of the backfield. Has a chance to take it to the house at any point on the receiving game. And he can get five, six, seven catches out of the backfield. Give me Boston Scott. But that one is very close. I'm just not a big component of anything that has to do with Washington. Not named Terry McLaurin. The Eagles did announce today that they are only going to keep three running backs on the roster. So I think that does look good for Boston Scott in the receiving game. Absolutely, and I think he's a super, super undervalue, especially in full PPR leagues. Moving on to the Las Vegas Raiders. They are going to be playing the Carolina Panthers. I want to know who scores more fantasy points, Derek Carr or Teddy Bridgewater? Jeez, it's like picking between a turd sandwich and a piece of shit. I don't know. Uh, give me... Give me Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. Like which one is he? Which, which which one is Teddy Bridgewater? The turd sandwich. Oh, At least nice. there's pizza of bread to you know dilute take, it. Dilute it a little bit. Give me Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater because I I'm all in on DJ Moore. I really like Chris Samuel, Curtis Samuel. That is, I obviously Christian McCaffrey's the best in the game. Give me Teddy Bridgewater in that matchup. The Colts week are going to be hosted by the Jacksonville Jaguars in week one. Donnie, tell me, who has more fantasy points, Marlon Mack or Raquel Armstead? Can I pick Chris Thompson over both of them? <laughs> sure, sure. You want to take Chris Thompson? Yes, and I, and how about this? Wow, that's actually a super hot in full take. PPR, in full PPR, I'll take Chris Thompson over both of them. You know what? Fuck it. In half PPR, oh, I'll take Chris Thompson over I like it. I was hoping you weren't going to water down that take. And you with- know what? Even How about this? Who has more fancy points? All of Jacksonville? All of Indianapolis. All of, no, no, no. All of Jacksonville's <laughs> running backs or Jonathan Taylor individually? Jonathan one oh. One Taylor, book I had it. To give you a little layup there. Place your bets before the game starts, ladies and gentlemen. Week one, Jonathan Taylor is going to show up to the NFL with a vengeance. Give me Jonathan Taylor over all of the running backs in Jacksonville. Moving on, we got the Browns and the Ravens. Who scores more fantasy points, Jarvis Landry or Marquise Hollywood Brown? Marquise Hollywood Brown. Ah. And this one is close. Marquise Hollywood-Brown, I think, is the prototypical wide receiver that's going to take the year two bump. You look at a guy that has uh, had foot surgery in the offseason, had foot surgery before that. He he got a screw removed from his foot. Dude's going to be a monster. And the number one wide receiver option uh, for the number one quarterback in the league, not for me, but, I mean, the dude was consensus MVP last year. 
Give me that over a guy that has to split touches with Chubb, Hunt, Austin Hooper, Odell Beckham. I just think there's a lot of mouths to feed in that in that Cleveland Browns offense, and the quarterback's not good enough to feed all those mouths. So give me someone that's assured with a better quarterback. Give me Hollywood Brown. Going into the next game, we have the Los Angeles Chargers and the Cincinnati Bengals. Isn't it a shame we don't get to see Joe Burrow versus Justin Herbert for this one? It is, but Justin Herbert's not ready. Let's be honest. Probably not. I mean, I haven't seen any of the training camp action, but... uh, I heard they're throwing a lot at him, and he's getting a little flustered. uh, If you look at all the players, all the quarterbacks that have taken a quote-unquote redshirt year, they've balled out in their second year. I think that's the way to do it for sure. I didn't make it so easy for you by going with uh, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Chargers and Bengals... Austin Eckler or Joe Mixon? Most fantasy points, half PPR, what's it going to be? Austin Eckler. Oh, you you were struggling for that one. That was tough because I've been looking and thinking about the defenses. Yes. You got you got a hammer in Joey Bosa. I can't even name you a defensive player for the Bengals. They're that bad. The Bengals defensively are going to be the one of the worst teams in the league. They're going to be up there with Jacksonville and Atlanta. Yeah, Eckler's going to have a big day week one. And and Tyrod Taylor's not one to throw the ball down the field. Give me Eckler, but uh, season long, I think it's closer than people think. What do you think of this week one matchup, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints? Fire. That's all I can so say. So many man. fantasy points, man. Who's going to win? Give me that first. Saints. Saints? Easily. By touchdown. You sure? Did you hear the Buccaneers have Leonard Fournette? I don't care. Touchdown. Rob Gronkowski or Jared Cook, who's scoring more fantasy points on week Cook. one? Cook. I'm not a Gronk guy at all. Gronk is literally just a freaking shell of himself at this point. We if don't know Gronk- that. We don't know that. I'm just saying. We don't know that. Jimmy Cook. I think Cook's actually still an NFL player. Gronk was literally wrestling in a WWE ring this, this summer. Cook's literally older than Gronk. Doesn't matter. Give me someone who's been in the NFL and taking those hits. Gronk is struggling with the Florida Heat right now, bro. No, thank you. No, thank you. Give me Cook. Arizona Cardinals and San Francisco 49ers. I want you to take note of that matchup because that has a lot to play here. Kenyon Drake or Raheem Mostert? I think Kenyon Drake's the way better player. I think Raheem Mostert has the better opportunity to score more points. That being said, give me Kenyon Drake. Oh, man. I thought for sure, for sure you were going to go Raheem Mostert on that one. Uh, I just think that Kyler Murray is really going to get him the ball. Uh, now, this all remains to be seen. I have to figure out what's going on with the injury situation because Kenyon Drake apparently is working his way back or some bullshit. Give me Kenyon Drake. I think that they're going to be getting their – "Quote unquote ass beat in that in that game, and I think there's going to be a lot of catch up. Where Kenyon Drake's going to get a lot of dump offs out of the backfield. Dallas and the Los Angeles Rams. We're going to go Cooper versus Cooper. I want to know Amari Cooper or Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. Nice, nice take, man. I like it. Uh, what, what stands it's not out? Amari Cooper guy, but hell, I can miss on Amari Cooper, and he's he can go for 150 and three touchdowns. Yeah, he will too. But he can also go four for 40. Yes, he will. So too. I'll take the chance that Cooper just Amari or uh, 
Cooper Cup just does what he always does. Six catches, 90 yards, either a touchdown or no touchdown. I'll take Cooper Cup in that matchup. Steelers and Giants. Which tight end prevails, Eric Ebron or Evan Ingram? Evan Ingram, and it's really not close. The Steelers are such a mystery this year, man. They really, really, really are. Exciting Um, year for Steelers fans. Exciting or heartburn season is what I call it. <laughs> yes, anxi- I, anxiety season for Steelers. I have fans. a lot of times on hand watching the first couple of games until <laughs> I know what the hell's going on. Uh, we don't know what we got, man. Vance McDonald's still there. Eric Ebron literally is just a pass-catching specialist. The Steelers like to use a lot of 12 personnel, so we'll see what we have there. But I think that Eric Ebron, if, you, if there is a place to beat the Steelers, it is up the middle. So I will go with Evan Ingram. The last game we got for week one, the Titans and the Broncos. Who's scoring more fantasy points? Is it going to be A.J. Brown or is it going to be Cortland Sutton? I knew you were going to ask as soon as you reached up uh, and said that. You take know your what? time. I'm take gonna... your time. No hurry. No hurry. You don't want to mess this up because your record depends on it. We're going to tally this through the whole season, by the way, so you're not going to want to mess this up. I'm going to go, go Cortland Sutton. Okay. And it's close. It's very, very close. I, in my personal opinion, I think Sutton's a better talent, and I think he's going to get the ball. And Drew Locke is a really good sleeper for quarterback. Could we see it? I think this might be the start of it. Ryan Tannehill is going to regress in a lot of his efficiency efficiency stats. Uh, A.J. Brown's going to regress in a couple stats. I feel like no one's talking about Cortland Sutton. Like He had a lot of hype coming out of last season, but since the Broncos went and drafted Jerry Judy, it kind of like diluted the situation in Denver. And it's like, oh, they got this quarterback who's only played a half a season. What can his real upside be? But I think I agree with you. And and from a season-long standpoint, I would prefer Cortland Sutton over A.J. Brown. I agree. All right, that's all we got for week one. I cannot wait, man. By the time that this is being released, you will know who's on your piece of shit team. I will know who's on my championship team. And the trade negotiations can finally be underway. Let's go. Jake, it is going to be such a great season. I cannot wait to break you in trade after trade this year. It's going to be a, uh, a great, great season. Thank you for showing up as always. Again, you give the most killer fantasy advice, but I am going to destroy you in our draft this weekend, and I can't wait. It's, uh, it's really just a tradition at this point. Hey, you got to be ready, man. Just know that I've done my homework already. I've talked to the people before you, talked to the people after you. If I need to, I can trade up in front of you to snake some picks off of you. So I've already put my I've already put my ducks in a row. It, it's really going to be just a formality. Subscribe to the podcast. Go to D Hall's podcast. That's Near Falls with D Hall, a wrestling podcast. Go check it out. Subscribe. Oh. Or a woo. Woo woo. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Catch you later. See you next week.